Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us life, and we are grateful, Lord, for the privilege that you have shown to us in preserving us and giving us the blessings of life in the food and the clothing, the shelter, the spiritual blessings, the security we enjoy, and also the peace. Especially, Lord, we thank you for the heavenly agencies that you have set in place to work on our behalf to see that we do not miss the eternal reward and blessing that you have kept in store for your children. Father in heaven, we have work to do as we are on this earth. We have battles to fight and there are victories to be won, a heaven to win and a hell to shun. We pray, Father, that you would grant to us energy to labor for you and to get the crown of life. As we fellowship with you now, please bless us. Put your words in my mouth and give me grace that I may speak words that will edify and build up everyone who will listen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 21 Elijah before Ahab And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baalim. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 18. Through the long years of drought and famine, Elijah prayed earnestly that the hearts of Israel might be turned from idolatry to allegiance to God. Patiently, the prophet waited while the hand of the Lord rested heavily on the stricken land. At last, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. The king and the prophet stand face to face. Though Ahab is filled with passionate hatred, yet in the presence of Elijah, he seems unmanned, powerless. In his first faltering words, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? He unconsciously reveals the inmost feelings of his heart. Ahab knew that it was by the word of God that the heavens had become as brass. Yet, he sought to cast upon the prophet the blame for the heavy judgments resting on the land. Standing in conscious innocence before Ahab, Elijah makes no attempt to excuse himself or to flatter the king nor does he seek to evade the king's wrath by the good news that the drought is almost over. He has no apology to offer. Indignant and jealous for the honor of God, he casts back the imputation of Ahab, fearlessly declaring to the king that it is his sins and the sins of his fathers that have brought upon Israel this terrible calamity. Today, there is need of the voice of stern rebuke, for grievous sins have separated the people from God. 
The smooth sermons so often preached make no lasting impression. The trumpet does not give a certain sound. Men are not caught to the heart by the plain, sharp truths of God's word. God calls for men like Elijah, Nathan, and John the Baptist, men who will bear his message with faithfulness regardless of the consequences, men who will speak the truth bravely, though it call for the sacrifice of all they have. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Elijah Before Ahab. Having spent the three and a half years, first in the brook Cherit, near Jordan, and then in the house of the woman that's the widow of Zarephath, the Lord spoke to Elijah. It says in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1, And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Now, here Elijah is going on a journey that we shouldn't just read this as a story. Try to put yourself in the situation. If you were Elijah, would you really, really want to go back to the king who you know very well has been looking for you? who has exiled you, who has sought for your life because he feels that you are speaking against his kingdom, it wouldn't be something that we would be pleased to do. But Elijah hears the word of the Lord and he goes fearlessly, not knowing what the consequences would be, but nevertheless, he was fearless. And when he meets Ahab, of course, through the man called Obadiah, um, Obadiah tells him that he, they have been looking for him, that Ahab has sent people to look for Elijah. But Elijah is not filled with fear. So, you know, if you've been in this situation, sometimes we are too fearful as Christians, too fearful. We have not been in this situation that Elijah was in, yet Elijah doesn't have a adrenaline pumping in his chest. I try to imagine times when maybe I have, it, I have had issues with people who I have worked with because of righteousness, because of things that maybe they don't like that you are doing that is right. How do you feel at that time? Sometimes we are too solicitous of the praise of men that our hearts start to pump with adrenaline. We are afraid. We are wishing that they would not hate us. All those kind of things. If that's not the case with Elijah because he knows why he's doing what he's doing and he knows and he's sure that this course which he has followed is the best course for Israel. And what was the course? He prayed that there should be no rain for three and a half years and it was a sore trial for Israel, but yet Elijah was unrepentant about it. He knew that they needed that kind of rebuke, that they needed that kind of chastisement. Now he is before Ahab. Reading from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baalim. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. 
The words exchanged between Ahab and Elijah are full of meaning. Ahab is accusing Elijah as the one that troubles Israel, and so it is today, that when men, whether members of the church, elders, lay people, pastors, evangelists, preach the straight testimony in the church, they are looked at as those that troubles Israel. When you correct the church or the members and tell them, this thing you are doing is wrong, and you stay on the pulpit and preach the word of God faithfully, you are looked at as a troubler of Israel. But who really is a troubler of Israel? We all represent Israel. Who really is troubling your life? Is it the one who is correcting you? Is it the one who shows you faithfully what the word of God and the spirit of prophecy says concerning the various parts of your life? Is it he that is troubling you? Or are you the one troubling yourself by going against the commandments of God? Elijah's words were true and Ahab was the one that was speaking unfaithfully by accusing Elijah as the one that troubled Israel. Who really was troubling Israel? It was Ahab. It was Omri, it was Zimri, it was Basha, it was Nadab, it was Jeroboam. These kings had troubled Israel by turning them away from God and from his commandments and turning them to Baal and to idols to worship them. And Israel was troubled because of it. Now they are blaming Elijah, saying he is the one that troubled Israel. But was he really the one that troubled Israel? Who is troubling your life? Do you see those who preach the faithful word of God to you as troublers of Israel? Most likely, many people will do that. And I understand how that uh, plays out. Because some of the times, the things that we read from the word of God and that are preached, even when I myself do it to some people, when you tell them what their, the word of God says concerning how to relate with the opposite sex for example or you tell them clearly how the Lord condemns the kind of entertainment that they are engaging in or you tell them clearly how the word of God expects them to conduct themselves with respect to dress with respect to the keeping of the Sabbath and you bring this before the people they look at you a good number of them not all they look at you as a troubler of Israel but let us settle this once and for all. There is none who troubles you in your life than the person who is leading you into sin. And it may be well that you are the troubler of your own life by taking yourself into sin. But God needs people like Elijah who will faithfully speak to the people and tell them, you are the troubler of Israel because you have served Balaam. And you have turned away from the Lord by forsaking the commandments of the Lord. Do you notice how throughout the time of these kings and of Israel, the focal point is always what? The commandments of the Lord. Take it there again. First Kings 18 verse 18. He answered as Elijah answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house in that you have forsaken what? The commandments of the Lord forever the contention between god and satan and between god and man has always been around this thing the commandments of the lord and that's why solomon could say in ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man our lives have been summarized for us 
the duty of our lives have been summarized in just that thing. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is all God is expecting of us. That is all our duty. And when we forsake his commandments, we become troublers of Israel. We do not need to erect any idol for ourselves. We do not need to have a golden calf. We do not need to make any proclamations or statements that deny God and denounce him and insult him. No, we only have to forsake the commandments of the Lord and we become troublers of Israel. 1 Kings 18 verse 18 Thou and thy father's house have troubled Israel in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. There are many troublers of Israel today. Though falsely, God's servants may be accused as troublers of Israel, it is not true. But all around us, especially in the churches, we see many troublers of Israel. They will tell the people to serve other gods. They will not preach the word of God faithfully. They will turn away from the commandments of the Lord. When we do this, we are troublers of Israel. And Elijah can faithfully say to us, we are troublers of Israel. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 208, paragraph 2, it says, Through the long years of drought and famine, Elijah prayed earnestly that the hearts of Israel might be turned from idolatry to allegiance to God. Patiently, the prophet waited while the hand of the Lord rested heavily on the stricken land. End of quote. We have already seen how this voice of stern rebuke is needed. We need people like Elijah, Nathan, John the Baptist who would not fear the consequences of speaking the truth. We live in the world at a time when the cancel culture is on the rise. The woke mob is always there to kill those who say things that are not in harmony with their views. Are you among those who stifle people's speech, who do not want people to express their opinion, who do not want people to say the truth as it is contained in God's word? You are no different from Ahab. There are people who are politically inclined to follow what we call political correctness and also to measure and to police the speech of people, telling them what they can say and what they cannot say. They don't care about facts. They don't care about truth. For example, if you are to say the fact that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, or just say the historical fact that the Roman Catholic Church was responsible for the death of nothing less than 6 million Christians, it doesn't matter whether it's a fact. They will cancel you and say you are not supposed to say such things. Why? Because they are the ones who are troublers of Israel. They represent the Ahabs of today who would not want to hear the truth and will accuse those who are speaking the truth as troublers of Israel. We should not be in such a camp. We should not be there. We are to be among those who would listen to the faithful word of God and we will have our hearts broken under it. Or we should be among those who will speak faithfully the word of God like Elijah did. There is need for this kind of people today. More on that in subsequent devotions. But for now, I would like to remind us that when Elijah prayed for the rain to cease in Israel, he did it in love. 
it is just as a parent who in love for their child chastises the child in the hope that their child will come to their senses and do what is right. Meanwhile, there is a way to chastise. We don't do it out of anger. Elijah did not pray for the judgment of God upon Israel because he was angry with them and loved to see them suffer. He hoped that it would bring them to their senses. So also, when parents see their children going astray, prayerfully, they are to, when necessary, use the rod on their children. Elijah prayed and you can say he used the rod on Israel, but he did it in a prayerful way, hoping that in that affliction, in that chastisement of Israel, they will come to their senses. Like we just read, through those long years, three years plus of famine, Elijah continually was praying earnestly that the hearts of Israel might be turned from idolatry. And here is a lesson for us that we have learned before, we can pray for the judgments of God upon those whom we love. How does that sound to you? Sounds unloving, right? It is not unloving, it is loving to pray for God to intervene in the life of your friend or in the life of anyone. It must not be your friend. Look at the world. Look at the way it is going. The world is plunging into darkness. But it is in mercy that the Lord sends judgment sometimes to wake people up. And God's children are to be like Elijah who will pray for the Lord's judgments to come in the land. For the purpose of waking people up so that they can retrace their steps and while they pray for the judgments they also pray for the people hoping that they will be awoken by the judgments of god this is the love of the minister of the lord bestowed or uh, shown in this manner reading from gospel workers page of 1892 page 91 it says explaining this kind of ministry it says christ identified himself with the necessities of his people their needs and their sufferings were his he says i was a hungered and you gave me meat i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came unto me matthew 25 verse 35 and 36 god's servants should have hearts of tender affection and sincere love for the followers of Christ. They should manifest that deep interest that Christ brings to view in the care of the shepherd for the lost sheep. They should follow the example given by Christ and exercise the same compassion and gentleness and the same tender pitying love that he has exercised towards us. The great moral powers of the soul are faith hope and love if these are inactive a minister may be ever so earnest and zealous but his labor will not be accepted by god and cannot be productive of good to the church a minister of christ who bears a solemn message from god to the people should ever deal justly love mercy and walk humbly before god the spirit of christ in the heart will incline every power of the soul to nourish and protect the sheep of his pasture like a faithful true shepherd love is the golden chain which binds believing hearts to one another in willing bonds of friendship 
tenderness and faithful constancy and which binds the soul to God. Let me stop here. I'll continue the reading. You know, people see Elijah as that man that commanded fire to come down and destroy those men that came to call him you know, much later the son of Ahab who became king later sent for Elijah to come to him and tell him whether he was going to get well from the sickness that he had and Elijah said if I be a man of God let fire come down and destroy these people and fire came and destroyed them and the second set came and he said the same thing again he was the one who called those prophets of Baal and killed them you see people see Elijah as that angry man but that's not how Elijah was Elijah was a faithful minister. Do you remember the woman of Zarephath and how tenderly he took care of the woman's son and how he he was happy to announce to her, your son is alive. He prayed for that son and he became his health was restored to him. Elijah was praying for Israel for three and a half years for them to come away from their sins. And many times, the faithful minister of God who preach the word of God faithfully as seen as people as if fire is in their eyes and they breathe fire out of their mouth and all of that. But many do not see the love that is in them while they are saying what they are saying. Who do you think loves you? Is it the one who gives you your every wish and is indulgent towards you and will not tell you your sins and will not tell you where you are going wrong just because of something they want from you? Do you think they really love you? Some people just want to get something from you and that is why they will not tell you the truth. But those who tell you the truth, you can tell that these people are not out for your money. They are not out to get you. They are not out to get favors from you. You should beware of those who will not tell you the truth because of the favor that they want from you. Those who love you are those who will tell you the truth, even though it risks them having a bad relationship with you but it's all in your hands it depends on the way you react elijah did not come to ahab to apologize to him there are some of us today who want to put people on a guilt trip after they have said something and they say oh you, what he said was wrong and then they will start to rain fire on the person oh he shouldn't have said this he shouldn't have done that when elijah came before ahab he did not make one apology he did not seek ahab's favor and told him don't worry i've come the rain is coming now he told him clearly you are the one who troubles Israel. He did not try to make Ahab, Ahab's anger to be palliated. Ahab deserved all the judgment that has come upon him and his kingdom. And there was no need for any apology from Ahab. Sometimes we see men of God faithfully preaching the word of God. And like we have seen in past devotions, that this was what was needed. When we looked at the, dev the devotion, when we looked at Jeroboam, that prophet who came to speak to Jeroboam, that spoke very firmly to him and rebuked him to his face, we read that that was what was needed, that there was no other way it could be done, that they did not, he, he, Jeroboam did not need any smooth message. Ahab also did not need any smooth message. What do you do when you see people like, a, like a Elijah and that prophet who rebuked Jeroboam? Are you part of those who would say, Oh, no, 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 you people should take it easy. You should have spoken this way or you should have spoken that way. You know he's a king. Why do you address the king that way? Are you among those who do that? Do you not understand the enormity of the matter that will make the prophet of the Lord to speak in such firmness and to rebuke the kings regardless of what his age is or regardless of what his position is? Do you think that those people should apologize to the king for talking to them that way? No, Elijah did not need to apologize. Herod was spoken to by John the Baptist and rebuked for the evil he was doing. And 
John the Baptist did not need to apologize by any means. Let us not be among those who will be putting people on the guilt trip, making them want to apologize, like you tell Elijah to apologize to Ahab. For what? He didn't need to apologize because Ahab was the one that was troubling Israel. And his lack of apology does not evidence a lack of tenderness or lack of kindness on his part. His kindness was shown, though in secret and also publicly, the public kindness of, of, of Elijah was in praying for Israel for that judgment to come upon them. And then secretly they did not know. He kept on praying for them constantly so that the Lord will help them to come out of their error. And this is what shows that he was a true minister, tender one or for the people of God. Continuing the reading now, it says, the, I read earlier that I said the great moral powers of the soul are faith, hope and love and these are the things that the minister is to have. So he goes on to say, There is a decided lack of love, compassion, and pitying tenderness among brethren. The ministers of Christ are too cold and heartless. Their hearts are not all aglow with tender compassion and earnest love. The purest and most elevated devotion to God is that which is manifested in the most earnest desires and efforts to win souls to Christ. The reason ministers who preach present truth are not more successful is that they are deficient, greatly deficient, in faith, hope, and love. There are toils and conflicts, self-denials and secret heart trials for us all to meet and bear. There will be sorrow and tears for our sins. There will be constant struggles and watchings, mingled with remorse and shame because of our deficiencies. Let not the ministers of, our, of the cross of our dear Saviour forget their own experience in these things, but let them ever bear in mind that they are but men liable to err and possessing like passions with their brethren, and that if they help their brethren, they must be persevering in their efforts to do them good, having their hearts filled with pity and love. They must come to the hearts of their brethren and help them where they are weak and need help the most. Those who labor in word and doctrine should break their own hard, proud, unbelieving hearts if they would witness the same in their brethren. Christ has done all for us because we were helpless. We were bound in chains of darkness, sin and despair and could therefore do nothing for ourselves. It is through the exercise of faith, hope and love that we come nearer and nearer to the standard of perfect holiness. Our brethren feel the same need of pitying help that we have felt. We should not burden them with unnecessary censure, but should let the love of Christ constrain us to be very compassionate and tender, that we can weep over the erring and those who have backslidden from God. The soul is of infinite value. Its worth can be estimated only by the price paid to ransom it. Calvary, Calvary, Calvary will explain the true value of the soul. End of quote. As Elijah stood before Ahab, Ahab wanted to make him feel like he was guilty. Ahab wanted to make him feel like he was one responsible for the people who have died. You know, if, if it was today, they would give it, they would say it in the news like, do you know how many lives have been lost? Elijah is responsible for the death of so amount, this amount of children. They will, of course, want to mention children. He said, do you know how many children have died? Remember that that woman of Zarephath was about to eat her last meal and die. So you can tell that during this famine, 
some people might have died. And then all this would have been laid on Elijah to make him feel guilty. You are responsible for death of this amount of people because of the, the thing you have said, the judgments you have brought upon Israel. But was it Elijah? Was it not God who actually brought the judgments on Israel? Does Elijah have any power to do that? Elijah doesn't have the power. But because he is in support of what was going on, because he loved what was going on, that it was the judgment of God on Israel, and he loved it because he knew that it was a means to correct them, they would blame him and want him to feel bad. We need to learn how to be on the side of right. We should never let ourselves be moved by these words of so-called sympathy you know when you go to the western world they would say oh don't flog children and they would take people to prison for using the rod on their children hypocrites hypocrites indeed these are people who till now excise cruelty to other people of other nations in a way that in lebanon i don't want to put the past on anyone but someone who in the, the, the past scenes of maybe the fathers who were engaged in things like slavery and did things that were very cruel are the ones who want to say now that anyone who, anyone who raises a finger against their child to correct them is a bad person? Really? When the person is not even doing as bad as what they have done? To me, that is just some kind of hypocrisy. And that is how it was with Elijah. Here are a people who were involved in deep iniquity and sin and were responsible for the eternal death of so many and they had the guts to make Elijah feel like he was a troubler of Israel because he prayed for the judgments of God upon Israel. Ahab was responsible for the eternal death of many Israelites by causing them to worship Baal. People were lost under his watch and they are going to be resurrected in the second resurrection to face the judgment of God in hell fire, in torment. And he had the guts to say Elijah was a troubler of Israel. We need to learn to be on the side of right. When the Lord is involved in bringing judgments, in doing things that will correct others, do not go to the other side and say, oh, the way this man did, like Elijah. Now, what would you have done were you to be in that time? Are you among those who would say Elijah was a troubler of Israel? because he prayed for the judgments of God. Let me read now for us, Gospel Workers, from where I stopped before, page 93, freedom from paragraph 1, it says, If after one has done the best he can in his judgment, another thinks he can see where he could have improved the matter, he should kindly and patiently give the brother the benefit of his judgment, but should not censure him nor question his integrity of purpose any sooner than he himself would wish to be suspected or unjustly censured. If the brother who feels the cause of God at heart sees that in his earnest efforts to do, he has made a failure, he will feel deeply over the matter, for he will be inclined to distrust himself and to lose confidence in his own judgment. Nothing will so weaken his courage and godlike manhood as to realize his mistakes in the work that God has appointed him to do, a work which he loves better than his life. How unjust then for his brethren who discover his errors to keep pressing the thorn deeper and deeper into his heart to make him feel more intensely when with every trust they are weakening his faith and courage and his confidence in himself to work successfully in the upbuilding of the cause of God. So here we are advised, don't be on Ahab's side that you want to create 
a mountain out of a molehill. In this case, in, Ahab's, in Ahab and Elijah's case, there was not even a molehill there. There was nothing wrong Elijah had done for Ahab to tell him that he was a troubler of Israel. And we shouldn't be like Ahab who would want to accuse God's ministers as being troublers of Israel and trying to find fault when they have not done anything wrong. And for those who would want to be on Elijah's side, who would uh, want to do the work of plainly stating the word of God, we must do it, like I've said earlier, in tenderness and love. Frequently, there is necessity for plainly rebuking sin and reproving wrong. But ministers who are working for the salvation of their fellow men should not be pitiless towards the errors of one another, nor make prominent the defects in their organizations. Gospel Workers of 1892, page 94, paragraph 2. So, what the Lord is teaching us in this confrontation between Ahab and Elijah is that we shouldn't feel guilty when we have done the right thing. Like we read in the Devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 208, paragraph 5, standing in conscious innocence before Ahab, Elijah makes no attempt to excuse himself or to flatter the king, nor does he seek to evade the king's wrath by the good news that the drought is about is almost over. He has no apology to offer. So, end of quote, so we should know when we have done right and there is no need apologizing when you have not done wrong. There is no need to cave in to the woke mob and the cancel culture mob and start to apologize when you know that you can examine yourself with the word of God and that you have not done wrong. And we are not to be on the other side to make people feel like they have done wrong when you cannot convince them so through the word of God. Between Ahab and Elijah, that was what was going on. Ahab tried to make Elijah feel guilty and would delineate for him how many lives have been lost and say it, was, it is his fault. But Elijah did not even accept it and start to feel bad and then start to apologize. No, he put it back on Ahab and said, you are the one responsible for it because you have departed from the commandments of the Lord. We need this kind of holy boldness and this kind of love that Elijah had for the people of God. A love that is not indulgent, a love that does not necessarily want to cave in to every demand of the people just so that they can like you. No, the love Elijah had was one that was corrective, just the type that Jesus has when he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. May the Lord help us to be like this to have that love like Elijah had and also to stand in conscious innocence knowing that we have done the will of God and not to accept any blame or any accusations when we know we have done the right thing. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us and shed abroad in our hearts that love that would show itself in prayer for those who are going in error, those who are perishing in sin. Help us, Lord, to have that love that Elijah had that made him to pray for three years for Israel to turn away from their sins. Help us, Lord, not to give up on people easily and help us to have that tenderness and still be plain in speaking the truth of God. Give us the grace, Lord, that we ourselves will turn away from sin and walk in the commandments of God that we may not be troublers of Israel. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.